tonight on Sci-Fi Saturday Night, cooking with the Daleks. Enjoy the recipe that will exterminate your species. Exterminate! Computer status report. Don't blink. Don't even blink. Blink and you're dead. No! Wrong! Sci-Fi Saturday Night. It's TalkCast 75. I am the Dome, deep in Area 51 at the Underground Sublevel 21 Dalek Relocation Center. Welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Joining the TalkCast tonight from the Austin Brighton Hellmouth, our own weeping angel, it's Kriana. Hello, hello. And from the Four Color Vault of Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, they say he was in love with Martha Jones, but we know better. It's Illustrator X. <laughs> Last week I went for a job as a gold prospector, but it didn't pan out. Oh. <laughs> and cloned as the doctor's daughter, traipsing across the universe, it's the beautiful, it's the vivacious, it's the dead redhead. I've got my fez on, because fezes are cool. From Outpost Gallifrey in Indiana, risen from the dead, it's Torchwood's own acerbic Owen, awake by Java. They called me the face. The face of Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Great thanks to Scott Rose for doing tonight's intro for us, and congratulations on having that triple in the oven. Our guest tonight is an author of parent romance and young adult superhero fiction. That's even a genre, and it is because I've read it. It's Tony Latempio. Tony, hi, and welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Did I get the name right? Yes. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I'm rotten with names, and, and that was, I had like more than two syllables, and I was going crazy with it. Uh, with Tony tonight is her blogging cat, Rocco, who seems to like us a whole hell of a lot. Wow. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> So before we get into the actual show tonight, I want to say a big hello to Brown Coach Redemption crew and producer-director Mike Doherty at the South by Southwest Con in Austin, Texas. We understand they're taking the place by storm, as well they should. Kriana? <clears throat> Sorry, I'm distracted by the chat room. Um, oh, I thought you were distracted by the food. No. Oh, I'm <clears throat> talking to all my friends, so... um. <clears throat> Mike Doherty, or as he's known on the Tweetverse, Wicked Java. Oh. Uh, Wicked Java, uh -huh. Awake by Java. Yes, we have a coffee-motivated place. Let's say all these caffeine. It's an, unhealthy, it's an unhealthy obsession that we have. Or is it? Well, he just said sexy dance time for me. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure what to say about that, but apparently he's got a bunch of people at South by Southwest Listening in, super cool. We love Brown awesome. Coast Redemption. Hey, hello. And we everyone. can't wait to see you guys at Granite Con. Yeah, That's right. Brown Coats, we'll see you then. Doherty, you're with us, buddy. And Brown Coats Barbecue afterwards. Manchester, May fifteenth. Be there or be square. <laughs> <laughs> 
So what do we got going on this week in science fiction, science fact, and science weirdness? Well, we've got, speaking of Java versus Java, we have announcement of Zombies versus Vampires on TV's Deadliest Warrior Woo! coming up. Okay, first of all, what the hell is TV's Deadliest Warrior? Oh, oh my god! Is that the show with the boats and the crabs? That is the show. Uh... That was either a porno I watched last night or something on the Discovery Channel. I was going to say, that, was, that describes my last spring break. <laughs> wow! Oh, Deadliest Warriors is awesome. What is it on Spike? I think. Yes. yes. It's on Spike TV. And think about this: that they were trying to sell these guys. and said, "Okay, we get these two guys, these two warring factions, and we put them up against each other, and we show little snippets of how they used to look, and then we get their armor and their weapons, yeah. and we technically show who would win if they fought." Like, for example, <laughs> they had Samurai Warrior versus Viking. And they spend an hour saying, okay, this is what this weapon can do. This is what this armor can block. Who would kill who? And then they run it through a big computer and they do, they do like a thousand, a thousand simulations. simulations. And then they say who would be the winner and, and how close it was. And the blood goes spoosh. It does go spoosh. <laughs> cool. Lots of blood and internal organs go spoosh. So what I, my question is. What kind of zombies and what kind of vampires? Because if they're well, Twilight the vampires, they're dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not the sparkly ones from Twilight, though. Yeah, exactly. Because exactly. they don't they don't belong on any TV show called Deadliest. I, right. I think you have to go classic. I think I would have to say they to have any cred, you would have to go with Bram Stoker vampires. Other than or the Nosferatu. the um, the vampires or Nosferatu, yeah. The Thirty Days a Night vampires could per- could could kick some ass there, but what about? Because they do think they they have their brains. They're pretty smart. So well, then let's look at it this way. How about the True Blood cast versus the uh, <laughs> like uh, the Twenty Eight Dead people? Oh, that's, oh, that's like the Twenty Eight Days Later zombies, where it's like, well, we're not really dead. We're just you know freaking out. I don't a think lot. they're actually zombies, though. Well, no, they're not. All right. Well, the remake of Dawn of the Dead, where it's like. I'm dead, so I can run like Wile E. Coyote. That's right. I don't know. I, I'm in, I'm in the uh, the Walking Dead camp. I think that would be kind of awesome. Thank yeah. you. I really I think, think the acknowledge slow de- slow zombies. Absolutely. I mean, because slow zombies are, are it's like you know watching lava. It's that, <laughs> it, it's, well, think about it for a minute. It's that inexorable flow heading towards you, and yeah, I can outrun it. I can outrun. Oh shit! I'm surrounded. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, that's what happens. That's, that's you know, if, if you think about, you know, in The Walking Dead, when, what was it, in episode two of the TV series, where the idiot takes the uh, uh, horse into Atlanta? Yeah, yeah. And he goes, oh, I'm on a horse. Yeah, I'm on a horse. I'm fine. Are you out of your freaking mind? <laughs> no, no, you had to go with George. George Romero actually did a comic. And he actually had one of oh, his yeah. characters on an elephant because he said that the dead could not bite through the elephant's hide. And that was awesome. And that's right. And it was a carnival that was fighting the zombies. Carnival of crime? <laughs> Speaking <No>. of segues. <laughs> Sorry, what did you expect me to say after you said carnival? <laughs> Segway. Nice segue, by the way. Yeah, in, 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 a, in a huge twist and another uh, form of douchebaggery, the Cape finale is only going to be available online. 
I cannot believe NBC pulled that. I mean, first of all, it's a show they gave no support to. Granted, I mean, it wasn't the best effort they could have done. There are some real issues with it. But they did tape a 10th episode, and then they refused to air it. Assholes. What the hell? I hate so, you. So what we're going to do is we're going to actually uh, post the link to that final episode on the website. Can we embed so that, it? Uh, is that possible or is that not possible? I don't think it's possible. It'd be nice if we could embed it, but I don't think we can. But Speaking we'll definitely of, post the link to it. Speaking of um, free use douchebaggery. Oh, dear. Um, yes. I'd just like to mention, and I'm planning on doing a post about this later, that if you aren't aware, HarperCollins, which is a big book publisher of a lot of genre books, has unilaterally decided that books that libraries buy in the electronic format should expire after 26 uses. That's a random number. It's well, a totally random number. And, and what bothers me is that if they start with that, they can then actually, if I say have a HarperCollins book on my e-reader and I boot into it 26 times, does it then disappear? Right, exactly. Yes. So, and that's just bullshit. That, it's crazy. Books do not fall apart after 26 readings. That's yeah. just insane. Well, see, <clears throat> that's, that's the really problem. Steve. You haven't one. seen their extended business plan where their next round of publishing, uh, their next, the, the next type of book that they're going to print actually self-destructs, bursts into flame after <laughs> 15 reads uh, so that it seems like you're getting a value with the ebook. I got to admit, that would free up some space in this house. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> well, yeah, but, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, let's think about this for a second. You know, Superman, uh, Action Comics number one, which just sold for a million six. Yeah, you can't have my copy. Yeah, yeah right. thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you know, how many times have, is, is there a book in your house that you've read over and over and over again that you've loaned to your friends that's that's been around your circle of friends that you maybe Wait, brought from a used bookstore like. i would what? like it when i give it to somebody and if they don't give it back to me after a certain time i'd like it to to explode how's that and take out a few of their kids <laughs> well, wait, wait wait a minute i actually did return it it just took a while <laughs> Well, wait. That one, dear. well the problem but you see, know what i see the problem is if this if this turns out to be successful what why not music yeah absolutely why well, not see, movies this is this is the problem what what publishers and other and other businesses are starting to realize is that their old business model doesn't relate to the new uh medium so what what is they see they're they're putting out a, a digital copy of that book and that book's being copied and read by a bunch of people. So if they can um, make those books self-destruct, then they get to get in another sale. It's like game publishers who absolutely despise the uh, the used game trade because they don't get another sale out of that. And so they want to go to a model where they can pull in more sales so that they can make more revenue. It's the it's their job. They're trying to. Uh, live up to their stockholders' expectations. That doesn't make it evil, wrong, and douchebaggery. 
Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, it does. That doesn't make it not wrong, evil, and douchebag. Oh, okay. There, that that's better. Sorry, I forgot the negative there. Okay. More of a, more so, of a loss than an owning. Yeah, it is, and you know. The fact is that there's a lot better ways to do it, and I was reading another article, and I couldn't, I'm sorry for the life of me, tell you where, but it was about Amazon pricing for, I believe it was Kindle books, and that the higher its price, the more they take out of it. But conversely, they, they did a study, and the lower-priced books actually sold so many more copies and made the authors so much more money. Well, and that's that's part of the evolving new business model that that uh, publishers are going to really have to look at. It's what's really kind of uh, ripped apart the music market. People aren't buying CDs anymore, and it's as simple as that. And their their business model has had to evolve, and where it hasn't evolved, you know, there are uh, places like Tower Records are becoming uh, dinosaurs. Tower's gone now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Tower's gone. But you know what, though? So is life. I mean... Well, that was our final show. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you meant the magazine, but what do I know? Oh. <laughs> oh. Only you oh. and I know what that is, Joe. Oh, wow. Sorry. I'm going to make an old joke in that, three... That no. I, yeah. But but seriously, I mean, you know, if businesses don't adapt to the changing marketplace, they get pissed off. They try to block their competitors' uh, business models. When that fails, eventually it will. They die out, or they figure out a new way to make money. And it's digital goods. Selling digital goods is a really crappy way to make money. Is that kind of like the whole thing with the London Times right now? I didn't hear about that. The whole thing with the London Times, Mr. Murdoch and his brilliant wisdom. Um, <laughs> apparently, if you go to the London Times website, you can't even look at the front page without giving him some money. Oh, okay. And okay. he even said Goodbye. That, <laughs> that, that they're, the people who were looking at their page, it literally dropped 95%. This was on NPR. People don't even go there. And they're like, but, so what are you going to do now? Way to make but yourself irrelevant. But here's the thing about that London Times thing. They still made more money. I, I, you can hate Murdoch all you want, but he is a brilliant businessman. And he makes tons of money off of his decisions. He knows what's going on. He's not out of touch. And and the thing about the London Times was, even though they lost that much readership, they made me. And in the end, when it for comes now to though, business, when right. it comes to a business, it's about making money. And so if he, it, yeah, he might make money for the next two years, and then if it doesn't end up working out, he can make money in a different way. But paying for content is the thing that most publishers of any type of media are worried about right now because they do, they don't want to go to a model where they have to rely on Netflix to distribute their media and then take a cut of it. It's putting another middleman in the way. So Well, they you know, actually are the middleman right now, honestly, and I think that eventually publishers not when it comes to not when it comes to really good journalism because they they can pay the journalists what they what they deserve in order to write those kinds of stories. Well, maybe Jur it's different for journalists, but for 
books and music and movies and all of that sort of thing, I think we've seen more than five successful authors, musicians, movie makers who are not attached to public um, or big Large companies, companies yeah. and who are maybe, maybe not selling their digital goods. Maybe they're giving them away. <laughs> but it's certainly leaning towards giving them away, and they're doing very well. And honestly, I think the trend is towards that sort of model because eventually just people aren't going to pay for it anymore. It's already going that way. And the I, artists, I think I disagree about that. The artists who shutter themselves into these big publishing houses are actually limiting themselves in the future because what's going to happen is they're giving up all their rights to their stuff and then, you know, their buddy down the block is making, like, hundreds of dollars or however much they can make more with their alternative business models. Like, for instance, I'll give you an example. Tracy Hickman and yeah, his... That's yep, exactly where he's going to he, go. He sold, and here's the key ingredient here, scarce goods. Digital goods are not scarce. They're artificially scarce. Artificial scarcity never, ever works. It doesn't work, and eventually the dam is just going to burst because people aren't going to tolerate it anymore. It may take another 10 years. I'm not denying that the publishing houses could make money for another 10 years, but it's not sustainable. And it's just stupid, and it's only pissing people off. I know I don't look to them to buy anything. There's plenty of people that I would rather give money to. I mean, who would you rather give money to? Harper Collins or directly to Tracy Hickman? Oh, definitely to originally to the person. Uh, of course. To the fine, fine cast of sci-fi. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, but Tracy yeah. Hickman, you're not so much paying for the book. I mean, you're still paying a little bit for the ebook. You're really paying for access to his community. His little walled garden that he has going on for advanced access to the book, you know, in a rougher format, granted, but for his true fans who are going to give him the money no matter what, that's where you make it. And he's also charging for access to himself, which is brilliant because his right, time is definitely a scarce resource. You have to remember what he said. That project didn't bring in enough money to pay the electricity bill. It paid for itself. It and did. We don't, it's an unproven model. And so to, to like expect that a huge business with hundreds and thousands of employees is going to switch to that kind of a model, even over the course of a couple of years, is ridiculous. I'm not, not saying that, that they should, though. I'm saying that they need to at least try. And what they're doing right now is not trying to innovate. It's digging in their heels. Well, but they're they're trying something. They're trying something. They're not one of the publishing houses that's saying we're not going to produce ebooks because we don't think that it's going to make us any money. They're trying something, and I think that's admirable. I mean, maybe it, it, and it sucks for libraries because if we're if we're talking about this in the context of libraries, yeah, it absolutely sucks because the library buys one copy of a book and it lasts for a long time, and as many people who want to read it can. And so they're basically screwing over one of their biggest, um, their biggest, you know, uh, customers, customers by by you know by doing that, and that's that's dickish. But I think that I think that okay. this is the this is the period of time when when these mm -hmm. companies are trying to figure something out. Okay, here's here's well, where you're both right. Wait. 
Certs is a candy mint, and Certs is a breath mint. And that brings us <laughs> to the conclusion of our economic portion of the show. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so what's going on with Airbender? <laughs> okay, so if you haven't seen it, um, do. Actually, it's on Netflix, and it's awesome. Now, I'm not talking about the M. Night Shyamalan atrocity. Good. Came out of, okay. Don't see that because it sucks. Are, are you talking about the avatar with the blue people? No, no, no. And not that either. And, and as great as that was once, you don't need to see it again. Um, this is something this is something that you you will love if you the, the second that you start watching it. It's amazing. It was done by uh, a fantastic team at Nickelodeon. It's a three uh, season cartoon show that rocks it's called avatar the last airbender watch it but the thing is that they're coming out with a sequel series that takes place 70 years after the original series um and it's got an amazing cast that's what the uh, link is that is going to be in the show notes tonight um but the just it's something to watch for because it's what some of the best writing and some of the best animating that i have ever seen and i've watched cool. a lot I watch usually, a lot of Saturday morning cartoons. <laughs> There's not much on Usually right when now. people talk about anime shows like that, they're talking about the old Robotex or Star Blazers. <laughs> yeah, no, this, I mean, this is a completely American um, production. It's, right. It's, you know, it, and, and it's just, it's, the story is great. The characters are compelling. You know, the, the universe that it's created in is fantastic and deep and rich. And there's a flying thing with six legs, and it's furry. Okay. Speaking of flying, we we have the king of flying saucers, Mr. Uh, Steven Spielberg. Apparently, Dome has something coming out. Oh, man. Uh, The movie's called Straight. I'm going to put a link to their uh, movie site. I watched the extended trailer this week, and you know when when Spielberg started putting these movies together, uh, he he started out with the Super 8 uh, camera in his backyard, and uh, you know just started doing shit, and that's the, <laughs> that's what you got to do. You got to start what, that's doing. Right. Shit. No, that's What's okay. little Stevie doing in the backyard? Right, He's doing, doing shit. shit. Leave him alone. Uh oh. As the great George Romero once said, if you want to make movies, for God's sake, just go out and start making movies. And start making movies, absolutely. Now, didn't right. he also say, why would we pay the actors? <laughs> yeah, he did, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean... A so dollar! He, a he dollar. takes A whole dollar. Maybe that's 20 right. for the day. <laughs> but here's the thing. He's, he takes this concept of here are these kids out in the 50s making movies in the backyard when something supernatural occurs. Wait, 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 though. though this, is, this isn't a Steven Spielberg movie. No, it's a it's a J.J. No, Abrams movie. It's a J.J. Right. Abrams movie. Produced he wrote and directed it. Right. But, but and it, Steven Spielberg is producing it. Is the producer, it, right. Yeah, right. Okay. But, I mean, here's, I, I guarantee, here's the of it. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say, I guarantee the pitch was... The Goonies do Cloverfield. <laughs> and it was sold. Yeah, it could have been. I guarantee he said, there's no smoke monster. And everybody was like, 
Well, we'll have to get some more backers. <laughs> Holy crap. No smoke monster. We're in trouble now. <laughs> just hang on. Just saying, guys, this isn't on the schedule, but I just thought of it when Dom said supernatural. Uh oh. Um, has anyone seen Supernatural recently? Uh, no. No. Is that ending? No, okay. No, absolutely not. Supernatural already has a reputation for being kind of meta, right? They, they, at one point the characters were at a Supernatural con, they had a guy who was, air quotes, a prophet, who was writing their books, um, which was funny, but they took it to a whole nother dimension, literally. I think, like, two weeks ago, where the two main characters, Sam and Dean, got transported to an alternate universe, which was ours. (laughs) Okay. And they literally... uh, Jared Padalecki, I think is his name, is like, I'm something called a Padalecki. And and the other guy goes, what, are we Polish now? (laughs) (laughs) And then at the end by the end of the episode, spoiler alert, they had an actor playing the creator of the show get shot on the, on the lot. It was oh, the Well now I can't watch the series. There you go, you're done. You're uh, dead. And they had uh, Misha Collins get stabbed to death in the middle. It uh, was the weirdest it was funniest just thing. Ordering on Netflix, but no 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 point. Speaking, no, of the guys. Weirdest, speaking of the weirdest... Well, speaking of thing. weird, hey, Wait. don't... Hey, was not Fringe awesome oh, again? Oh, my gosh. Best twist yet. Yep. Oh. oh, it was amazing. Except I'm still freaked out by how much Olivia has been smiling since... Are those, yeah. real, are those real elements or are those fake elements? Because you never know with those guys. The Oz, Osnium and... I think they're all real. If Mr. Mr. Washi is listening, maybe Mr. Washi can get in the chat room and tell us if they're real or not. But but speaking of uh, weird and fun, we've got a release date for the next series of Doctor Who. Um, Thank you. So we've only got a month and a half to wait for more Doctor. That's the best news ever. (laughs) And the best news ever. Uh, okay, now, what are we doing on the 23rd? Oh, filmmaker Thomas Gofton. All right, everyone, just just don't show up that day. <laughs> Draw the curtain. I'm sick that night, sorry. I'm dead. I won't be there. Now, now, we can't let the Canadians go hanging. That's true. <laughs> Set your DVRs to stun cats and kitties, because... Uh, as soon as it's over, we're going to be downstairs watching it. Yeah. Cats and kittens. Speaking of kittens, don't we have a wheel of kittens tonight? A wheel of kittens? Boy, we, we, you know what? One more thing before we, we, we uh, get to the halftime. Did anyone see that map that was making the, the internet this week with, uh, like, someone charted out the entire history of science fiction, and all you wanted to do was say, well, where's this? Where's this? Where's this? <laughs> You guys know what I'm talking about? No, I, I didn't know exactly see it. What you're talking I about. didn't see I'll, it. I'll definitely post a link to that. Link oh, the link show. will be up. But, uh, yeah, I, I looked at it, and you said, because I couldn't find Ron Goulart in it, and you said you did. 
I'm pretty sure I found Goulart. I just yeah. couldn't find Fritz. It, for the record, it is a very comprehensive list, and I was like surprised by a lot of the names I did see, but we were like, well, all right, where's Fritz Leiber? Okay, I see Lovecraft. <laughs> I see William Hope Hodgson. Fred Berry, all the big guys. No. Unless they had trouble where to decide where to put him. I thought, mm-hmm. well, like, maybe he's by the sword and sorcery hair. But no, he wasn't down there. Or they're all kind of like waves. It's like this big yeah. amoeba thing that yeah. they created. And then, what is it? There's like eight animes listed out of, what, ten hundred billion? <laughs> no, see, no, no, see I, was, I was very happy to see guys like Olaf Stapleton, Aldous Huxley, Franz Kafka. Stanislaw uh, Lem. Yeah. Vegni Zamadian, uh, just, you know, who wrote We. Are you, know, you are. Yeah. Yes, but, yeah. But the real question is, where is Inception on that map? It's not there. Yeah, you, <laughs> know, you know why it's not there? Because it's, it's been recreated level. on a different piece of paper. And <laughs> it's a stop motion cutout movie that only takes 60 seconds. So if you're, if you're too big of a tool to have gone and seen Inception, which is probably one of the best sci-fi movies that's come out in the past decade. Are you joking? Uh, no, I'm absolutely No, he's actually Are right. you serious? No. Were you high? Nope. Uh, he was uh, right. He's right. Uh, then if, if you haven't seen it... Uh, Go and watch the 60 seconds because it's like it took place in, in Victorian England and everybody is made out of paper. <laughs> and it's awesome. And it only took a minute to talk about. It only took a minute to talk about on the show. And now it's time to do the wheel of now it's time for the wheel of animals. Kittens. Kittens tonight. Kittens. I, I've got. <laughs> Uh, how'd the show go last night oh degenerated into another cat fight (laughs) (laughs) oh man so did anyone win the wheel of kittens okay i don't really know no nobody won the wheel of kittens i get to keep my wonder woman doll for another week Oh, oh just well, in that case, no one's going to want to win. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say a word about turning a real doll into Wonder Woman, but I've done it. Oh, God. Why, ew, Rika? Ew, 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 ew. <laughs> oh, so, with that said, yes. ladies and gentlemen, cats. <laughs> huh. we have Rocco. We have no. no. We have author and self-promoter extraordinaire Tony Latempio. <laughs> Thank Hi, you. Tony. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me and Rocco, <laughs> who uh, right. perked right up when he heard the wheel of kittens. I'm sure say. he did. <laughs> I think he was glad he wasn't on the Wheel of Kittens, actually. No, we actually don't put kittens <laughs> on the Wheel of Kittens. Uh, well, Does he make if sounds you've ever seen the size of Rocco, he would break the Wheel of Kittens. Oh, no. so. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Tony Latempio is an author of paranormal romance as well as young adult science fiction and fantasy. Uh, I've actually read one of her books, uh, which is always a good thing when you have an author on the show. I read My Superhero Sister, which is kind of a young adult uh, sci-fi novel about ooh, sibling rivalry? Mm-hmm. Is, is that fair? <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. It's about stuff. 
It is no, it, it's it's actually you know, if you took Sylvia Plath and made one of them a superhero, no, it's actually much more fun than that. Uh, it, <laughs> I would hope. Yeah, I just can't see Sylvia Plath writing paranormal fiction, but that's a whole other story. So, <laughs> but if she did, she wouldn't be so depressed. Thank you. Ha! <laughs> huh, I kill me. Oh. oh. <laughs> Quick, use the Sylvia Plath sound effect. <laughs> I don't have one. <laughs> <She's just laughs> and you know that would actually work. <laughs> I know that's why I said it. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know if it ruins it, but I actually did get it. <laughs> <laughs> for a change. What do you mean for a change? Well, you're so young. <laughs> you know. So back to Tony. <laughs> so Tony, tell us something about your books. Well, let's see. Uh, I write a lot of horror, which is Yay. a good thing, I guess. <laughs> and um, I just started recently going into the uh, self-publishing venue with uh, two books. One was a paranormal romance called No Rest for the Wicca, and the other one is a young adult fantasy called My Superhero Sister. And My Superhero Sister is, I had originally seen the movie My Super Ex-Girlfriend. And that oh, was it's Uma Thurman. Oh, yeah. Sorry. And, oh. <laughs> uh, I wanted to write a, a book after I saw it, and I was, it started out as an adult book, and then somehow as I was writing it, it seemed like it geared itself more towards teenagers. So that, that's how it ended up that way. Is this your first uh, shot at doing a, uh, a young adult novel? Yes. And it just kind of evolved into it. There wasn't actually planned to go that way. No, I was. It was going to be an adult book, and then as I was writing it, I said it just wasn't coming together. And then I said, you know, it would do better, I think, if I aimed it at a younger audience. And I did, and I thought so it came you, out pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it actually did. So essentially, you've got a family. You've got a father and one daughter who are superheroes, mm -hmm. and a mother and a younger daughter who are just muggles. Right, muggles, <laughs> normal. Mm -hmm. They're normals. And it's part of it is the, the interplay between the two sisters, and a lot of it is how the four of them actually make the whole thing work. Right. So, go, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, so I was going to say, it's, it's supposed to be like a coming-of-age story. Like, she... You know, she's jealous of her sister, and, and she has all these feelings, and then she, her sister is always getting the cheer squad, and her sister's always, you know, getting the boys, and then, you know, she realizes, you know, hey, she's, in the end, she's just as good. You, know, you don't have to be super to have all those things. So it, it actually, it, it, it's actually kind of endearing, to be honest with you, and it, it's a very, it's a very cute read. It's a very sweet read, to be honest with you. Are you planning on doing any more with those characters? Yes, I'm going to have another book. Really? Cool. Yeah. There's going to be my super, my super boyfriend. <laughs> That's oh. The follow-up. <laughs> mm -hmm. My superhero sister, my superhero boyfriend. Mm -hmm. So when will that be coming out? Uh, probably later on in the year. Oh, so this year? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, good. Excellent. Okay. 
So I see on your website you w- you've already been winning some awards for your books. Awards? Awards? Did, weren't you nominated? Didn't you win some awards, I saw? Oh, I was, was Or was that Rock? Has Rocco been putting stuff up again? When he <laughs> <should be bought? laughs> no. Rock, Rocco doesn't lie. He's like Superman. He always tells the truth. He, uh, <laughs> it wasn't my superhero sister. It was the other book, No Rest for the Wicca. That was nominated for uh, Best Urban Fantasy Novel. Uh, by Romance Reviews. So how, how do you reconcile all these different genres? I mean, you're, you're writing in two genres that don't necessarily sit well side by side? Or do they to you? No, they do to me. I mean, okay. I've, I've, I've always, when I was a kid, uh, I used to save my allowance and I would buy the Superman and the action comics and the Lois Lane the minute they came off the press. I mean, I had stacks and stacks of comic books like you wouldn't believe. And I, I love comic books. And then as I got older, I loved horror movies. My father used to take me to the horror movies. I remember seeing Barbara Steele in Black Sunday with him. And I you know, thought wow. that was fantastic. I loved that movie. And uh, when I was a, a teenager going to high school, you know, we used to run home at 4 o'clock, Dark Shadows was on. I had to watch Dark Shadows. Yay! Love Dark Shadows. Woo! That was like my absolute favorite, and I was even so nuts over it, I wrote Jonathan Fritt a fan letter, and he invited me down to the studio. I got to watch the taping. <gasps> That's so weird. And all I remember thinking was, oh, my God, it's so small. It looks so big on TV, but... <laughs> You know, because the furniture was old and ratty, and, you know, it didn't look that way on TV, but <laughs> it was a, a, a experience. You know, I was 15 at the time. It was like, oh, my God, I thought I died and went to heaven. <laughs> wow. Wow. You can so, tell we're fans okay. over here, too. Okay. My knickers are in a twist. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> it doesn't take much for him, though, to be honest with you. <laughs> Around here, saying Dark Shadows is kind of like on Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> yeah, you said the secret word. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Maybe we need to institute secret yeah. word on Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Ooh! Oh my Ooh, god! A secret <laughs> word. <laughs> so, Tony, when you when you got to to do all this, do you think that kind of influenced your writing? And oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And then you know, reading. I think the first book I really got into was uh, Salem's Lot, Stephen King. Yep. Oh, my. And that was like, oh, I love that book. Yep. Still one of my all-time favorites. Yep. Mm -hmm. Stephen King, uh, early Stephen King is my favorite, like um, Mm -hmm. Salem's Lot, Pet Cemetery. Yeah. He's got some good stuff now, but it's definitely a a different vibe to it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's not right funny the early books are all written about i'm desperately poor and now it's like wow i'm super rich and i'm still being attacked by monsters (laughs) he's also off the drugs too which uh yeah (laughs) Yeah. which may or may not be a good thing in this particular case it depends on how you look at it right (laughs) so So tell us go ahead uh, and rocco rocco has a huge influence on my writing too you know, he does? You know, with his blog and everything, you know. <laughs> kind of like my little press agent here. Yeah, so you've got your own site and your your cat has its own site. Yes. His. His, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he has his. 
And do you want to plug those? <laughs> oh, we'll have both sites on the blog post tonight. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. You know, Rocco's been so nice to us posting links and stuff that... Oh, yes, Rocco enjoys your show. He may be our biggest fan. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. You know, if he's, if Rocco starts getting an avatar on Ustream, I know we're in trouble. <laughs> oh, oh, by the way, you know, with all the turmoil in Japan, a, a bunch of websites thought it was, you know, important to note that Maru the cat is okay. If you don't know who Maru the cat is, just go Google it. Okay. He's really funny. He's okay. He's okay. Yes, all of you down in South by Southwest listening, Maru is okay. Maru is fine. You may go back to your regularly scheduled programs. Back to your partying. Yes, indeed. Wow. So, uh, Tony, would you be willing to uh, give us an excerpt from one of your books? Sure. I happen okay. to have some right here. <laughs> okay. By no you coincidence know. whatsoever. Only... <laughs> <laughs> I'm fortunate that Rocco printed some of these out for me so I could read them to you. Thank you, Rocco. Appreciate oh. it, buddy. Okay, so uh, I thought I would start with my superhero sister. Okay. And this is uh, chapter one. Thank you. Okay, Holly Hamilton, I suggest you have your sister tutor you in English. I gritted my teeth and forced myself to smile at Ms. Proctor, the tyrant attempting to teach me and the other sophomores at Century City High the wonders and the intricacies behind the writings of Edgar Allan Poe. She was a severe woman who seldom smiled and looked as if she'd be more at home as the left tackle on the Century City Bison football team. I was inclined to believe the rumor that she tried out for the team in her younger days, but had missed being quarterback and ended up as the water girl instead. Miss Proctor also smoked like a chimney and started wheezing whenever she raised her voice. Miss Proctor picked up her leather-bound volume of the complete works of Edgar Allan Poe and continued to glare at me over the top of her wire-rimmed glasses. Honestly, Miss Hamilton, she continued in her whiny, nasal tone, your sister would have been able to answer that question in a blink. Well, hey, that's not surprising. My sister can do a lot in the blink of an eye. I, unfortunately, did not inherit those genes in the family, and I especially did not inherit whatever gene it was that made you an overnight English scholar. Now, if it came to biology or chemistry or math, hey, ask me anything. I can give you all the angles of an isosceles triangle in two seconds flat. But please, please, don't ask me anything about Louisa May Alcott's motivation to write Little Women because I will look at you as if you've gone brain dead. Of course, my sister Ellen would know the answer. She's good, no scratch that, she's great in English. But then again, she's great at pretty much everything she does. Captain of the cheerleading squad, class president last two years, head of the debate team, not to mention she's Century City's champion, writer of wrongs, defender of the defenseless. Did I forget to mention my sister is a superhero? You see, my dad is, or rather was, a superhero named Invincible Man. He came here from another galaxy when he was about five years old with his Uncle Eb to escape a civil war on his home planet of Nextron. He grew up fighting for truth, justice, and the American way like some of those other superheroes scattered around Earth, using his powers for good and not evil. We'd always considered my dad to be pretty much invulnerable, or at least we did up until a few months ago when he got into a battle with a villain who called himself Antihero, 
and it resulted in his losing 90% of his powers. Since most of the other superheroes on this planet don't live in the general vicinity, he passed his responsibility for keeping Century City safe onto his successor, my older sister, Ellen. Now she battles crime and her other identity as Suprema. Needless to say, the super gene pool missed me entirely. I take after my mom, who's totally human. All this really never bothered me until Dad hung up his cape and Ellen started doing super good deeds as Suprema. I can't say I'm jealous exactly, but there are certain feelings of inadequacy and resentment that do crop up from time to time, usually right after someone says, Holly Hamilton, you are nothing like your sister. Well, duh, she's super, I'm not. Go figure. Miss Proctor, God lover, just wasn't very good at letting sleeping dogs lie. Lie or lay? I told you English isn't my strong suit. She crossed over to my desk and stood right in front of me, the Poe book held in front of her like a shield. Miss Hamilton, would you like to take one more crack at answering that question? I shifted in my chair, deciding that perhaps might be a good time to actually start paying attention instead of daydreaming. I tucked one stray auburn curl behind my ear and looked Miss Proctor square in the eye. Could you repeat the question, please? I heard tittering start up in the back of the room, and it just so pleased me that I contributed daily to my fellow classmates' amusement. I felt the loud ringing start in my left ear, and in another second I heard my sister's voice, just as clear as if she were standing next to me. Holly, she asked you what genre Poe was credited with creating. You know the answer. No, I don't, I hissed back, tapping at my eardrum with the end of my pencil. Where are you? Miss Proctor leaned over me, her thin lips curled into a half sneer. What did you say, Miss Hamilton? I glanced up, hoping I didn't look as confused as I felt. Uh, you asked me what genre Poe was credited with creating? Her tiny pig eyes narrowed and the corners of her mouth drooped down. Very good, Miss Hamilton, and what is the answer? The answer, the answer, I muttered. I've got it right on the tip of my tongue. Wonderful. She shifted the book into her other hand and put her free one on one generous hip. Now would you like to share the information with the rest of the class? I swallowed. Why, certainly. It's, it's. I let my pencil fall from my fingers, and as I bent to retrieve it, hissed, Okay, sis, what's the answer? Oh, for goodness sakes, Ellen sighed in my ear. Think, Holly. CSI. Law and order. Monk. I straightened and looked Miss Proctor square in her beady little eyes. Edgar Allan Poe was the father of true crime TV, I burst out. The entire class started to laugh, but stopped abruptly as the teacher flounced over to her desk, picked up a long yardstick, and slammed it against the side of the desk. Actually, in a manner of speaking, Miss Hamilton is correct, the teacher said. Edgar Allan Poe is considered the inventor of the detective fiction genre, and he is even noted for contributing to the science fiction genre. Can anyone give some examples? Out of the corner of my eye, I saw my best friend Mona Martin's hand fly up. Murders in the room warm, she volunteered. Miss Proctor actually smiled. Excellent, Miss Martin. Oh, gee, a thick-necked boy of three seats in front of me snorted. I thought Vincent Price wrote that. He was in the movie. It was on Turner Classic the other night. The laughter started up again, but quieted down as the ruler came into view. Anyone else? Miss Proctor's neck snapped around, and her beady gaze fastened on me. The mystery of Marie Roget, Holly hissed in my ear again. That in Rue Morgue starred Poe's detective creation, Auguste Dupin. I clapped my hand to my head. Stop it, I hissed. Now, not only Miss Proctor, but several other students near me were giving me odd looks. Miss Hamilton, the teacher said, are you feeling all right? I waved my hand around my head, swatting the air. Nats, must be the weather. 
Oh, and by the way, Poe also wrote The Mystery of Marie Roget. He created the famous detective, Auguste Dupin. The look on Proctor's face was priceless. Her jaw dropped, and I actually thought her eyes would bug out of her head. Very good, Hamilton, she muttered as the bell rang. Class, read the next chapter in your English textbook for Friday. I gathered up my books slowly, waiting until the last student had filed out before I started for the door. Ellen, I whispered once I was in the hallway, can you hear me? Are you being Suprema? Yes, I am, my sister answered. I've got to go through a wind tunnel in a minute, so I'll see you at home. Tell Mom I might be late for supper. Okay, I paused and added, thanks, you're really a good egg. A little crack sometimes, but good. And all this means, I laughed, your heart's in the right place, especially where family's concerned. Thanks for helping me out. She chuckled. Thanks for that backhanded compliment. No problemo, little sis. I know English lit isn't your favorite. It's right up there with cauliflower and cafeteria food. Gotcha. Hang in there, sis. I gotta go. I sighed. Duty calls, right? Something like that. Don't forget to tell mom. I bristled. Gee, of course not, just because I don't have a super memory like some people. You don't need a super one, Ellen rejoined. Yours is like an elephant's, except where English literature is concerned. My eyes narrowed. That better be a compliment. My only response was a deep chuckle as Ellen's voice faded and I continued to my last class of the day. As annoying as a perfect older sister could be, there were times more often than not when having one could come in extremely handy. And it was even better when they were super. Are you all asleep? Or? No! <laughs> no, that was fantastic. We were listening with bated breath. <laughs> Oh, that's ch- oh, that was now great. You have- I like the egg joke. <laughs> okay, I'm going crazy now. Because Wh- now I'm thinking, wait, there's that Poe story. I know what she's talking about. It's the one in Antarctica <laughs> that H.P. Lovecraft based Mountains of Madness on. There you go. <laughs> What's the name of the Poe story? It's really good. The Mystery of Marie Roget? No, it's not. Poe gets the whole, I mean, Lovecraft got the whole phrase to Kelly Lee and the whole thing about the Mountains of Madness from that story from Poe, and I can't think of it now. All right, chat room listeners, write it in quick. Yeah. Oh, let me, well, like, look at the chat start. room so that when they do, I can... Uh... <laughs> the chat room goes silent. This... <laughs> oh, nobody knows it. <laughs> oh, well. Come on, guys. Read more Poe, people. That's right. No, see, now this is what I like about young adult fiction is that it, you're not talking down to them. So, too many times science fiction thinks it has to be hardcore and it, it shouldn't be. Some of the best fiction, like like the White Mountains trilogy, like... Um, well, that would be the White Mountains trilogy. Oh, okay. <laughs> I forget. John Wyndham's work. Yep. You know, yep, yep, yep. Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Lengel. You know, it's it's for kids, Ender's but it's game. so intelligent. Yeah, Ender's game. Ender's game, perfect yep. example. The the thing about about fiction, and especially you know about the juvenile fiction, and, and, and Tori is great at this too, um, is that it explores those those themes that are part of the human experience, and yet it it allows you to explore anything you want. Because that's just how that's just how juvenile fiction is. The the kids are interested in everything, mm-hmm. and so you can connect with them on all kinds of different levels. It's fantastic, and it's really interesting that you get an author who wrote you know some of the some of the most fantastic 
hardcore science fiction in the world, Robert Heinlein, who also wrote Have Spacesuit Will Travel, which in the 40s was considered, you know, some of the best juvenile sci-fi around. Yeah, but what did he do after that? Yeah, nothing. I know. I know. I know. Uh, is Guy Valentine, Michael Smith, something stranger in a strange... Eh, nothing important, really. What yeah, you're guys? not missing anything. No, so. no, no, no. So, Tony, what's what's in the works for you coming up? Uh, coming up, I think I mentioned I'm going to do a sequel to my superhero sister. And I have yep. uh, two more paranormal uh, romances that I'm going to be putting up on Amazon. Okay. Uh, and and how 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 do you feel? Because we've been talking about uh, publishing models and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. How's the Amazon publishing model working for you? I like it. Yeah, I I think I made more money on the Amazon than I did with the small press that I was with. That's awesome. You because, heard it here you know, first. You, <laughs> you keep it all. You don't have to give it to uh, the middleman. Like the publishing house would take most of it. You'd end up making like. 50 cents a copy, and you make more well, than that on the Amazon, and you don't have to share it with anybody. I think they take like 39 cents or something, and that's it. And are you, are you seeing that there's a there's a, a, a better availability concept doing it electronically through Amazon and places like that? I think so. I think people are more apt to, most people do nine-tenths of their shopping on Amazon, I think they're more apt to buy a book from there than they are to go to the publisher's website and buy it. Yes. Oh, well, um, and, your, and your target market has those devices in their hands. I mean, I don't... There you I, go. I, right. I can't think readers right. I can't think of an, uh, uh, one of my students that doesn't have either an e-reader or an iPod Touch. Yep. And if you have an Android phone, you're good. Even if you have... That's um, true. If you have an iPod Touch that is old and doesn't run, you know, iBooks, there's still other applications that you can use for that. Virtually Kindle. for any, any, yeah, there's the Kindle if you are using Amazons, or there's also, if you're just buying EPUB books from another source, there's um, Stanza. By the way, Illustrator X, the narrative of Arthur Gordon him of Nantucket. Thank you! Oh, oh they came through! Look they did. <laughs> they did. They did. That, that was Daniil, our, our favorite. Oh, that that was a tough one. That was a really tough question. Way to go, R. Daniil. Ace. You get an A+. Plus. Daniil gets a gold star on tonight's show. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You know what? Don't. Give him, give him something from the wheel there. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if they're eligible to win the wheel anymore. Do, do oh, I have to give up my are now? Do I have to give him my Wonder Woman? Please and say I, no. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Have to give wait, him the Wonder Woman. Wait, how many Bender glasses did you say you still had? Yeah, like eight hundred. <laughs> give him one of them. Daniel, a Bender as, glass is on the way. As as being a fan of nineteenth century fiction. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Who's not a fan of nineteenth? Yeah, century? I know. <laughs> That was that was like that was like the golden age. That's like uh, '60s '70s muscle cars, right there. <laughs> yes. Oh, by the way, um, I did find on that map thing of science fiction writers. Yes. I did find Fritz Lieber. You did. Where? Right next What's to. Uh, Gravity's Rainbow, 
I mean, uh, Mission of Gravity and Why Alfred Bester's. Why would they put Bester's... him like Thomas Pinch on? No, 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 no. Uh, Demolished Man, Alfred Bester. I like uh, that. Yeah, he's right in that area there. Okay, I'll have to look at it again. So, Mystery definitely... Salt. <laughs> so, listen, Tony, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It oh, was thank real. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. It, it was. was. Rocco uh, enjoyed it, too. Well, we're we're hey, Rocco. It. We love Rocco. You know what? I feel like we should send Rocco like some sci-fi Saturday night cat treats. Uh, we don't have any sci-fi Saturday that. night cat treats. We can make some sci-fi Rocco Saturday night. Rocco wants Nathan to know that when he wins the lottery, he will be financing Firefly. So. <laughs> oh, nice. There you go, brown coats. Wow. He has every intention of doing that. So. Does, does Rocco have a copy of Brown Coats Redemption? No, he doesn't. <laughs> well, if Rocco goes to browncoatsmovie.com and puts in the coupon code SFSN2011, he could get a dollar off the pre-order of the new edition of Brown Coats Redemption. Oh, okay. We'll tell Rocco to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Doherty. Fact, I think he raced into the computer right now. I think that's where he is. <laughs> You're welcome, Wicked Java. Galileo... <laughs> My, uh, Galileo, my cat, is looking on with envy. <laughs> all right, let's all introduce our cats. My cats are Malcolm H. Reynolds, the H stands for Hellion, and Lyra Bella Balacqua. Aww. Uh, Illustrator X and Dead Redhead, your cats are? Uh, we have Daniel the Hellion, who doesn't have an H in his name, but he doesn't need one because he keeps eating it or something. Um... <laughs> uh, Daniel, who will be getting one of those drum sets from anybody who saw that little kitty rock band, he's going to be the next drummer that's going to be coming out. And then we have Wolfgang. Yes. Who sounds like, he looks like his name sounds. We, in this house, we have the Wolfgang und Spitfire. And Spitfire. Und yes. Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> out Daniel of nowhere. causing chaos in the house earlier. Mm. <laughs> And I'd like to take a minute to introduce you to my, my virtual penguin, Bats Maru. <laughs> oh my god. Why aren't uh, you my neighbor in Penguin World? Wow. <laughs> okay. Before now, we bat, start angry birds. <laughs> Bats, Bats Maru, just in case you didn't know it, was the only, only uh, penguin on Hello Kitty. What about Sam? The blue one. Okay. You guys know way too much about Hello Kitty. <laughs> hey, you leave Kitty Chan alone. That's right. Did you know, little known fact, what's no. what's Hello Kitty's favorite subject in school? Edgar Poe. English. <laughs> Booyah. <laughs> <laughs> you ask anyone. It's true. Kriana? Strangely, strangely, I don't care. <laughs> no, wait, that's not strange. Kriana? Yes. You're done. <laughs> Booyah! <laughs> X, walk us out of here. Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. Ready? Ready? Waka, waka, Are waka. you? That's the cue for the coming up calendar. Next week, Boston Comic Con artist and a fan favorite of ours, Peter Vinton Jr. reveals Woo! his latest... I'm excited. His latest graphic novel, The Monitor's Guild. Then on March 26th, two guests, two projects, one interview. Author Michael Morecci returns with artist Monty Borer to plug the graphic novel Quarantine 
Okay, not not to be negative, but don't do that because it sounds a little too much like two girls, one cup. <laughs> <laughs> Please just let's not do that. On night, lost in comic con artist and the creator of Strangers in Paradise and Echo, Harry Thor. Yes. April 16th, we grill Colin Solon with your Illustrator X, we're losing you a little bit here. And on April, and on April 23rd, well, we'll all be watching Doctor Who. But, <laughs> <laughs> but before that, filmmaker Thomas Gofton returns to celebrate the conclusion of his web series, Mind Sci Fi Sunday Night is the official podcast. Brian, Illustrator X? Yo. Okay, you were going That's... really in and out right there. Okay, so drop the music way down low and do the end credits I was just going to say, when did the Who start doing our, our <laughs> end themes here? That's the uh, same end theme that we've been doing. Yeah, but the volume. No, I... I okay. No, it was loud. That's it okay. Was? Let me just Let All me right. just wrap up here. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of the Boston Comic-Con coming up on April 30th and of Comic Art House, your one and only source for original comic artwork. Visit Bob and Kim at ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original artwork from dozens of your favorite artists. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is one of the official podcasts of the Granite State Comic-Con coming up on May 15th. Check out AnotherHeaven.com for the best selection of Asian and cult cinema DVDs, and visit AdamsMedia.com, the first name in nonfiction publishing. Tonight's outro music was provided by Zanois. Pick up. No, his... it's the Who. <laughs> <laughs> Pick up the Who. Benevolent Beast on iTunes. Dome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was one of those nights. I want to thank Tony Latempio for coming on tonight and putting up with us. Tony, thank you so much. We had a oh, wonderful you're time. You're very welcome. Thank you. From the Alston Brighton Helmoth outside of Boston, the the soundboard. Music's too hot, but it's Kriana. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks for all that you do. And from the Four Color Volta <laughs> Comics, Illustrator X, the dead redhead, lovely as always to have you with us. A lovely time was had by all, darling. I love Hello Kitty. You yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and from Outpost Gallifrey, it's Hello Kitty's best friend. Thanks, Awake by Java. <laughs> Um, so, uh, <laughs> no. And on that note, this is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everyone. Good night! Well, usually I do the music thing now, but... But just do some, some, put something in there right now. Just anything. Sounds like a plan. I was born ready. Watching the UFOs whiz by. Give it a chance. Well, you never know, it might be kind of hot. If you're cool, this will sound normal. When I hear <laughs> a series called Mary Jane, I think of something completely different. I'm made of Teflon. The great thing about virgins is that they're a renewable resource. <laughs> well said. No, Avatar is much better with the glasses. But if something doesn't immediately strike that chord, then it's tossed away like so much kipple. It was an okay movie um, for a while. We're getting odd noises, and, and we can vote on, on 
our favorite comment. I had hope, and my hopes were dashed every yeah, but, time. You know why I love this cast is because somebody always says what I'm thinking. <laughs> Sci-fi Saturday night. Bigger is better.